Well, here it is, the end of February. You had those New Year's resolutions and you probably gave up on them a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it wasn't your fault. Maybe you got sick. Maybe something held you back from making progress on that thing you intended to do. If you're anything like me, you set your goals too high and you utterly failed. And now you're beating yourself up for having failed those goals. Today, we'll talk about why this is a good moment to practice self-compassion and forgive yourself and set those smaller goals that are actually achievable. But first, this is the FitMass where together we learn to develop habits that help us live beyond our mental health struggles to create happier, healthier lives. He's Zach. He lives in the future with his anxiety. He's Jeremy, and he lives in the past with his depression. And we get together once a week in the present to share the obstacles we face and how we overcome them. If I've done my job at all with this episode, you have not heard any of the coughs that are about to be happening behind the scenes as I recover from COVID for the first time. I'd never had it up until Valentine's Day, caught it this year. And so happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. So it was very, very romantic for you. Very romantic in my own bedroom by myself with a mask on watching Disney plus. What an intimate thing for Valentine's (laughs) Day. Yes. Yes. The gift that keeps on giving as it turns out. (laughs) But since then, I'm now two weeks out from having caught this thing and still for the most part, feel like crap all the time, tired, run down, coughing a lot. And testing negative, so you know, don't worry. Uh, go ahead and come close. Give me hugs. Do all the things. But nope, nope. Feeling, uh, feeling terrible, and then as a result, trying to listen to my body, trying to decide when to push, when not to push. You know, do I go for a walk? Do I go for a hike? Do I go to the gym? Because mentally, I'm reverting. The depression kicks in. The negative thoughts that you're not good enough, you'll never get anywhere. All that stuff comes up. And so I start wrestling with, am I letting myself off the hook? Am I being too easy on myself? Because I was sick. Poor baby, you're sick. You should just rest and just sit on the couch and eat good foods and stuff. But the other part of me is like, get off your ass. Come on, just go get it done. And so this, the interview we have today is perfectly timed because it's all about motivation, but also about listening to your body. I'm right on the cusp of both right now. Yeah, and I'm going to be the one to tell you, and I'm sure anyone who's listening right now is, you're not lazy. You're listening to your body and it's better to take the time to get better Mm -hmm. than it is to try and really push your body and take three, four weeks of being sick at a mild level. I'm just back from Disney. So, you know, the number of things that are probably floating through my body (laughs) that my immune system (laughs) is, is fighting off right now is, is incredible. But one of them happened to uh, nail me with a sinus infection. So I'm currently struggling a little bit right now. And I got home last night and was like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to drink coffee. I'm not going to go to the gym. But as anyone who listens to the show knows, I go to a CrossFit gym and the CrossFit Open, which is basically a worldwide competition where everyone who does CrossFit does the same workout and then you punch in your score. So you see where you stand in the world. So Mm -hmm. like I know I'm like 200 million thousand out of... 200 million thousand people. <laughs> right. Um, and today was the very last day that I could go and get the workout in so that it would count. Yeah. So of course I'm like sitting here like him and ha. And I even like reached out to, to my coach Kayla and was like, can you judge me please? Cause somebody has to judge you and watch you and validate right. the score. I was like, can you judge me? And she's like, yeah, of course. Just come in for the noon class. I'm like walking around the house. Like I am sick. This is a bad thing. I need to rest. I need to recover. 
but it was the last day and I needed my score to count. So I went in and did it. Anyway. Oh my God. You gave into the ego. I didn't give into the ego as much as I gave into this was a goal of mine right. to do the open and I want to complete the goal. So it's about the journey mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm accomplishing the goal by going along the journey. Now I'm going to pay for it for the next couple of days. Cause I really do feel like I want to curl up and die right now. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. <laughs> so I'm happy that you listened to your body because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't. And thank God. There is a snowstorm tonight in upstate New York, and I just got the message that all the CrossFit classes are canceled tomorrow, so oh. I was like contemplating going in right. the morning, right? and then I got the email like saying everything was canceled. I was like, ah, yeah, right. I can sleep in tomorrow. I don't have to let my ego drive me. 24 extra minutes of sleep tomorrow because you'll still get up at 4.58 in the morning or whatever. More than likely. All right. Well, I'm, when I'm not sick, though, anyone who listens knows that like I have high cholesterol for the most part. And when I say hi, it's like double normal. Like my doctor was like, yeah, you're going to die in like 10 years. Yeah. You don't, you don't do anything I, halfway. You're all in. No, even when I, it comes to high I, was like, I was like, yeah, no, that's, that seems right. And my doctor wanted to manage it immediately with a statin. I was like, hold, please hold. <laughs> Let me change my diet first. Mm-hmm. So I basically eat vegan. 80 to 90% of the time. Really? Not because like I have any moral dilemmas with, you know, eating animal products. Literally, if I eat vegan, my cholesterol is managed. So like my life will extend longer by eating vegan. Last week though, I was at Disney World. I did not eat vegan. I ate a lot of ice cream. There was a big turkey leg in my hand at one point. (laughs) Like it was fabulous. If I did my cholesterol level right now, they'd probably be like, dude, you're going to (laughs) die. Six, eight months. That's all you get after a trip to Disney yep. World. Yeah. So I am I am all in on eating vegan again to manage my health, to make sure that I don't have to take statins. So it is really interesting having this conversation around physically working out because as I'm eating vegan, like I have to find appropriate protein sources because I can't get them from meat. Mm-hmm. And and having this conversation about veganism and the right diet for each individual, right? Like I eat this way because it is the best diet for me to maintain a healthy lifestyle and live as long as possible. It's not the right diet for everyone, right? You got to eat what's right for you. But Mm -hmm. Jeremy, you're a vegetarian, so Mm -hmm. you're, you're not quite vegan, but how do you get along with vegetarianism? I I won't pretend it's easy, right? I mean, uh, I know that I uh, come up short on my protein goals pretty much every day. And I know that I only get close because I supplement like crazy with protein shakes and and bars and things like that. Uh, Outside of that, you know, you have to learn, you have to learn to live off of beans and nuts and, and lots and lots of eggs. And man, nobody gets sick of eggs faster than this guy. I don't care how many ways you think you can prepare them when you're eating eggs two or three times a day. The last thing you want to do is put another goddamn egg in your face. So <laughs> it's not easy, man. I, it I is wish not I had easy. that problem. <laughs> it's it's so not you can't easy. Can't eat those. And that's uh, that's you know our guest is going to talk about this. The fact that veganism, vegetarianism have gotten a lot easier for the general population in the last twenty years or so. I've I've been a vegetarian for twenty five ish years. And early on, it was very difficult. But now the food industry has figured out that there's a market for this. So they make all kinds of processed garbage foods that are disguised as healthier because they're vegetarian. But they're still not really food. They're still boxed up processed garbage. So it is, it is challenging to take this on unless you're someone who 
you know, Zach, you do, you go all in on something, right? You, you dive in, what's the best way? What are the 47 books I can read to do this? Most people don't take that approach. Most people try to just get by moment to moment, meal to meal. And it is not an easy lifestyle to, to sort of half-ass. No. And honestly, the thing that has saved me in eating this way is just frozen food. Like mm -hmm. literally frozen veggies. Mm -hmm. I get it. They're not as healthy as fresh vegetables, but you know what? They're the next best thing. And for a convenience factor, it works really well. And then as a last resort, like I have canned vegetables like all over the place. Like mm -hmm. it's easy. Just pop them open and eat them. But once a week, like I do have to go treat myself with like a Beyond or an Impossible Burger and like give myself the sensation that I'm like eating something <laughs> right. really, really good. And I will put that processed garbage in my face because <laughs> it does serve a purpose to like feed that need that, mm -hmm. you, that you've got, right? That desire for, for some real food. But it keeps you eating within the boundaries of what di whatever diet you're trying to eat in. Exactly. Whether you're getting over COVID or a sinus infection or something else and are struggling to get your mindset right or listen to your body appropriately, or maybe you're struggling with what to put on your plate if you're considering becoming a vegan or a vegetarian, all of it comes down to mindset. And so we are joined this week by Leah Coots, who, as it turns out, is a professional bodybuilder and creator and coach of Soulful Vegan Fitness. And our conversation began with talking about how important mindset is and going after whatever you're trying to do. Yeah, I really think that life is an inner journey. Like we experience life outwardly. We are in the world, but really the way that we operate in the world comes from how we operate inside. And I think a lot of our mindset, it's empowering in a way because we have a choice about how we create our mindset. But it can be really disempowering if you don't know that because otherwise social conditioning, cultural conditioning, belief systems passed from others, past traumas, all of that creates our operating system by default. So it's empowering because we have a choice, but if we don't know we have that choice or how to manipulate, that's a terrible word, but how to manipulate our own internal um, you know, operating system, then we're going to be operating through default, which is never going to serve us. So operating through default, that sounds like an obstacle in many, many ways. And you work with a lot of people who try and shift their mindset. What are some of those default modes or those obstacles, the common obstacles that people face when they're trying to do something they want to do, but just can't bring themselves to do it or change their mindset? Yeah, I think there's, there's so much in this. So the first thing that comes to mind is just our comfort zone is designed to keep us safe. Yes. So the things that we do when we're on autopilot can be really useful. How you brush your teeth, being able to have a chat while you're driving your car, like being able to do things on autopilot is really useful. Except when we're operating through our defaults because we feel insecure or unsafe if we're out of our comfort zone, that's when it becomes a challenge. So that might be I really want to lose some body fat or get healthy or join the gym or get fit. But my operating system says I have an identity as an unhealthy person or I can never lose weight or I'm someone who struggles to lose weight. So whatever our belief systems are that influence our behaviors, that's where kind of the places that we have space to play is what are the beliefs underneath the actions and what are the hopes and dreams? Because if our goals, our desires, our dreams are at odds with what we believe about ourselves, 
that's where self-sabotage comes in. I was just going to ask you about the the things we believe about ourselves, the stories we tell ourselves, because I think a lot of yeah. times that's really what gets in the way is this idea that, oh, I've always been this way, so I'll never be able to change. I'll never achieve bodybuilder status, for example. I'll never do this thing. So rather than punishing myself for the next year, five years, whatever, to attain this thing that I will never get to anyways, I'm going to have a second Snickers bar. So is that kind of what holds us back is those stories and those limiting beliefs? Yeah, I love the, I love the saying, don't believe everything you think. But I also love reframing it into, if you're going to believe what you think, what are you thinking? Right, because right. then again, that's empowering. I love Empowerment is a word that's a little bit overused nowadays, I feel, and it's used in so many different ways. So just to give a little bit of context, the way I see that word is if we have choice, then that allows us to move in a way that is in alignment with us. And I'm purposely avoiding the word control because that has a lot to do with self-sabotage. We want to control the outcome. And this comes right back to our reptilian brain, our primal brain that wants to keep us alive, is if we can control things, then we're going to be safe. We're not going to be under threat. And it's such an illusion, but what is our perception of control? It's what we know. So again, we're back in our comfort zone because if it's what we know, I know I'm alive. My, My subconscious says, if I put Netflix on, eat this bowl of ice cream and stay safe on the couch, no one is going to kill me, right? That is such a, and we're fortunate in a very privileged world for that to be true most often. Yeah, so I just want to acknowledge the privilege of what I just said. Right, right. But, you know, it's about if we perceive the comfort zone is I'm alive and I'm not under threat, let's stay there. Unfortunately, our subconscious brain isn't quite future-oriented enough to say, but that will lead to a slow death because of all of the lifestyle diseases it can lead to. That will lead to an unfulfilling life because you're not pursuing what actually is in your heart and you're not living in alignment with your values, which is a very, is kind of a death while you're alive, right? Like you Mm -hmm. exist, but you don't live. Mm -hmm. But all our reptilian brain cares about is, are we living, breathing? And we don't know that that's how we operate because it's so insidious. It's so subconscious and comfort I mean, it's comfortable (laughs) by default. So I think when it comes to what we tell ourselves, it's often, it's not an excuse, it's a belief, but it's because we are hardwired for survival. I want to dig in just a little bit more on that because the beliefs that we do have, whether they are something that's been hardwired or something that we're trying to put into the system so we have a new belief, I've always struggled with, and I I know a lot of other people do too, but like those beliefs, how can I even figure out if they are true or false? And then how do you rewire it? How do you change a belief that I've had for 43 years since the day I was born? You don't just change that overnight. So how, how do you help people with that? Or how do you do it yourself? You know, you just said something that is so key that also speaks to how society operates. I know this is not how you meant it, but we're not going to change it overnight. Mm -hmm. And I think so many times it can be, if we can't do it now, I'm not going to do it at all. Or if it's not everything now, it's nothing now, which is also a form of self-sabotage as well. Yeah, if it's in the too hard basket or if it's going to take five years, 10 years, 
then the comfort zone often wins. So the first thing I would say is it is it can be a long game. Sometimes it's instant. It depends on an event. Sometimes an event happens and your your identity is changed forever. But sometimes it is a, it is a slower process. So when it comes to how do we know what to believe, I really like the idea of it's true because you believe it. It's, it's such an old saying, I know if you can or you can't, you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you believe you can or you can't, you're right. But I think that if we question the stories, especially if they're future-oriented, I won't be able to do this. Is that true? How do you know that's true? And what our brain does is it goes, where is all the evidence that supports what I'm believing? If, for example, I am an overweight person, and if I can take that to the extreme, I'm fat. Yeah, that's a, that's a belief a lot of people hold or a story they tell themselves over again, I'm fat. It becomes, if you say I am something, you have just said that is your identity. And that's a really difficult belief system to shift because your inherent self is attached to being that thing. I'm fat, I don't want to be fat, but I've just decided I am. So first of all, it's untangling or removing the I am from the story. Yeah. I am someone who has some extra weight I would like to lose. That is a very different story time that. So the first thing is how do we separate ourselves from the story a little bit in that way? So I'm a human being having a certain experience. I may want to change that certain experience, but all of a sudden it's on a little bit more shaky ground. Then I am is like that massive tree with like really strong roots, unshakable. So the next thing is, what is the evidence? And what I like about this is if I say, I struggle with losing weight, and I use that just because it's a prevalent desire in society. I am someone who struggles to lose weight. The evidence, I've been overweight since I was a kid. I am size X in clothing. I've never been size X in clothing. I've had diets that haven't worked in the past. I've, there's all this evidence that supports that story. But what if you then go, that person was the same size as me and she did it, or he managed to make this shift, or they did these things, and you start to place the evidence on other people. If other people who were like you or that you identify with in some way has done something, that's evidence. So then your connection to what you want becomes more possible because you're seeing others do it. But that's often a conscious choice. We need to look for evidence that goes against our current story. Mm-hmm. But if we choose the current story because it's our comfort zone and it keeps us safe and it's not threatening and I'll just sit on the couch and eat my ice cream, you can see like there's there's a disconnect there. So I guess it comes back to we need to know that we have choice and that we can seek alternate actions. I'm not saying it's easy at all. And I know many of your guests, and I'm going to say the same thing, but there's a there's a trend in many insights from the people on your podcast about question and reflect, question and reflect. If you have this story, question, why do I think that's true? Yeah. Or does this have to be true? What happens if this is wrong? I love that question. What happens if this is wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah. Because we often just, we agree with ourselves, you know, and we, tr- we trust that what we're saying is true, even when we hold ourselves back. 
what if that's wrong? That is the most exciting question <laughs> to, to daydream about, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. One of my favorite things to do and one thing I get, I recommend strongly that my clients do is daydream because the thought of if money were no object, if time was no object, if resources were, were not, and if, if we take away everything, who would you want to be? What would you want to do? And why? And if we can get rid of all that social conditioning, all the past traumas, all of the objections we put on ourselves, because we're just daydreaming, what would be possible? And that's fun mm -hmm. because you start to look for the evidence of why it is possible. And all yeah. of a sudden the steps present themselves on how to get there. Exactly. I love, I love that. You talked a lot about, uh, about the term I am. So let's talk a little bit about who you are. You've, you've got a lot of uh, background <laughs> in this. Obviously, bodybuilding is a big part of your background, fitness coach, all of the things. Tell us about what got you into all of this and uh, a little bit about your background. Yeah, thank you. So I fell in love with fitness when I was 16. I happened to have a boyfriend at the time who was rather overweight. And so he wanted to make that change. And I just fell in love with the gym. Um, I think that as a teenager, we're always told how we should look. And that's been a theme throughout my adult life talk about like conditioning and stories, right? How you're allowed to look as a woman, especially like in my experience being woman, a woman. So I started to get muscles because I loved the gym. And then I had a lot of injuries. I had a lot of surgeries and that identity was taken away from me. So I identified with my six pack. My self-worth was connected to my muscles in my early 20s. It wasn't a healthy place to be because I've had extremely complex history of injuries and there were years when that was taken away from me. And as soon as your identity is attached to something that can be taken away from you, that is not a healthy place. So I was told you will never pursue your fitness goals. You'll never be able to do a pull up again. You'll never be able to squat again. I was told by the time you're 40, you'll need two hip replacements. I'm 40 next year and my hips are functional. <laughs> Very um, nice. Very nice. There was something in me that I just knew that I love movement. Like it's in my heart and soul that I need to move. And so I chose not to accept others limitations. And this is where the stories come in. Like who gets to decide what we do with our lives and why should I take their, even though they're medical professionals, like why should I accept those limitations? So long story short, fast forward to this year, I stepped on the bodybuilding stage for the first time when I was told I would never be able to do it. So I feel like I was living my 23-year-old dream. But really one of the main drivers was nobody gets to decide what you do with your life except you and the choices you make to problem solve. It was a 16, 15, 16 year journey from when I first wanted to compete to actually hitting the stage. I could have become a couch potato and kept myself safe like everybody wanted me to, but my mental health like tanked through that time, like chronic pain, no answers, nobody knowing how to fix me, being told I wouldn't be able to pursue the things I loved. It was a really rough time for so long, but what kept me going was I'm still alive. Like, let's find some answers. I'm not giving up on this. The time is going to pass anyway. Yeah. So I can 
be the same place I am in 10 years or I can make tiny shifts and learn how to walk without pain, learn how to sit without pain, learn how to just move myself in a healthy way and just start right from the basics. You know, it's it's so, that message is like so close to my heart that the time is going to pass anyway. What do we want to do and why not just pursue? I'm not saying go all in and do something crazy and then you're back to where you started. I That was me for many years, but like incrementally work towards who you're becoming, how you're expressing and moving yourself in the world. There's, I'm just so excited about living intentionally, I think. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I, living intentionally is definitely something took me a long time to f- like figure out, but now that it's here, it, it is, it is really wonderful. I know you mentioned injuries and I know for myself, whenever I injure myself, I, I don't change my eating style and I'm like the weight adds up and like eating is, it, it's not just about moving your body, right? There's, there's an eating component and you advocate for, or you eat a vegan diet, right? Yeah. But there's no one right diet for everyone. So I'm just curious if you could talk about why you eat vegan and like what your, there's no right diet, but what, what do you recommend for people from yeah. the, from the eating perspective? So from the vegan side, in my experience, earlier I mentioned sometimes there's just an event and your identity changes forever. So some people, if they're moving into a plant-based diet, they're learning about it, they're trialing things. It's a very slow transition as they're learning, right, to, to eat more healthily or differently. For me, I'm vegan for animal rights and ethics reasons. And so just overnight, it was like animals are not food and animal byproducts are not food. And so it was just an instant, it's not food, so I'm not eating it. So what on earth do I do? (laughs) And I came from a paleo background and then a keto background. I was terrified of carbs. And so when I first became vegan, I was like, I don't know how to eat. And everything I'm learning about carbs not being the enemy goes against everything that I learned and at that time believed. And it was, it was terrifying, but I was like, there's no other option for me because my identity was just such a sudden shift. So I would say if somebody is looking to transition, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It can be, can I add a vegan meal once a day? And then can I switch out a snack to this type of snack? Or can I, instead of having a burger with animal products, have a plant-based burger instead and make it a slow transition. And that's something that I help clients with who are not yet vegan, but who are wanting to operate in that space. It's something that support. The one thing that annoys me is society does not set us up to eat well. Mm. And the, and I'm talking Western society. um, Mm -hmm. And it's easy to make poor choices. And this now is including veganism. So veganism used to be a healthier option by default because there weren't any processed products in that space, which made it a lot harder to do. But now like the, (laughs) the food industry has just taken over veganism. So like ice cream, biscuits, chocolate, processed sausages and burgers and all these things. It's wonderful for animals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's not, I'm really concerned that in 10, 20 years time, all these studies are going to come out that connect veganism with lifestyle 
illnesses just as we have with a standard Western diet. But it doesn't have to be that way. It's just, so regardless of the diet you choose, I think it's important to know that by default, it is not, now I keep using that word, (laughs) but it's not necessarily going to be a healthy choice. So you Mm -hmm. have to have some sort of education around what we're fueling our bodies with. When it comes to being injured and recovery, the one thing many people who have been on a fat loss journey do is they reduce their calories even more because they're not active, which is one of the worst things you can do because that doesn't aid recovery. You just put your body in a more stressful place. Whereas if you're not active and you find yourself eating or making less healthy choices, which is often the other side of things, it's difficult because you're not moving, you're not moving, therefore you reach for the comfort food. I would just say that there's so many ways to choose a healthier version. So instead of, for example, ice cream, whether that's dairy or plant-based, why not make some nice cream (laughs) and blend up some frozen fruit, maybe a splash of soy milk, whatever flavors you want there. And it's just like ice cream, but it's literally just fruit. And it's so Mm -hmm. delicious. (laughs) That's awesome. So it's a, yeah, finding your comfort food foods and then finding ways to um, make it yourself with whole ingredients, I guess. I imagine this has a lot to do with what you teach in your program. So can you tell us about Soulful Vegan Fitness? Yes, thank you. So Soulful Vegan Fitness is really aimed at the whole person. So of course, I work with vegans, people who are plant-based or wanting to transition in that space because it aligns with my values. And I feel like I'm very value-led. And so I need to have that congruency um, and integrity within myself. But the word soulful is really important because fitness can always can be about you'll be better when you have a six pack. You will have more self-worth when you lose all this weight. Like there's this inherent messaging that you will be better when. Whereas soulful vegan fitness is really about who are you and how do you move with integrity? How do you look after your physical health while you're also strengthening your mental health? Like what are the habits and who are you becoming in your day to day? And how does that align with your values? So it's really whole person focused, which is where the mindset and the dreaming and all of those wonderful things uh, come in. Our thanks to Leah Coots. She's the creator of Soulful Vegan Fitness. You can find links to her and her work in the show notes for this episode at thefitmess.com. Jeremy, I just, I feel like a broken record. I really do. (laughs) We do talk about this a lot. Every single person that we interview every time we talk about being better mentally physically emotionally it all comes down to mindset like what you tell yourself and what you believe about yourself is so critical and i i I just can't emphasize enough how if you want to make any meaningful change in your life you've got to take a look at your current mindset and start to adjust it i loved too when the conversation steered toward what you believe and why you believe it and how to know if it's true. And I love how she said, maybe it's enough to believe it. And, you know, and we talk about questioning our beliefs all the time, but if we're going to believe that, you know, if I'm going to believe that I'm a piece of crap and I'm being lazy and it's not COVID that's keeping me from the gym, it's just falling into my old habits. It's true because I believe it, but it can also be true that I'm sick and I need to recover. Mm-hmm. And that can be just as true. It, so whatever you believe can be real. 
but just spend some time with it and decide, am I doing this because it's playing to my comfort zone? Am I doing it because it plays to the old habits and the old stories that I want to tell myself? Or do I believe it because I'm willing to try something new? I take back everything I said earlier. You're just being lazy. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> as, he, as, as a laugh sends you into a coffee yeah. fit. Yeah. You are in great shape, my friend. Yeah. You should go, you should go work out. I'm going to go for a run. Just keep plugging <laughs> away as hard as you always do. Like, you're fine. You're good. Yeah. You got all, this. All good. All good. Another thing I really liked was, you know, all the doctors who told her not to do something and she went ahead and did it anyway and is wildly successful and got on stage like she wanted to. Like, I just think that's really cool. And there's so many times where people will, you know, give you bad advice because they want to hold you back or we ourselves have like a victim mindset or mentality mm -hmm. that holds us back from doing something because we don't think we're good enough or can't do it or anything like that. So I, I, I love that part on like, hey. You just decide what to do with your life and go fucking do it. And like, again, like we say over and over again, it doesn't have to be this major transformation overnight. It's just the little things you do every day that are a little better than yesterday that lead to a better tomorrow. Those, those tiny steps lead to huge changes over time. And in her case, it went from just being in love with the gym to literally being on stage as a bodybuilder. And it took her many, many years. She didn't decide I'm going to do this. And then a week later go, well, fuck this. This is too hard. I quit. She devoted years to this. So I, I just hope that that uh, helps drive that message home even more, that it is just the little things that you can try to do a little better every day that ultimately lead to those big changes over time. All right. So I'm going to assume that your editing job was spectacular and nobody ever heard a cough. Not a single even one. Though, even though this episode has taken us twice as long to record <laughs> it really as has. any other episode because we've had to pause <laughs> for coughing breaks. Thank you, COVID and sinus infections. Uh, all right. Well, there's a lot more to say about all of this, and we will do that in the next edition of our newsletter. I hope you'll sign up for it. You can do that at our website, thefitmess.com. That is also where we will be back next week with a brand new episode. Thank you so much for listening. See everyone. We know this podcast is amazing and doesn't seem to lack anything, but we need a legal disclaimer. Prior to implementing anything discussed in this podcast, it is your responsibility to conduct your own research and consult your physician. You should assume that Jeremy and Zach don't know what they're talking about, and they're not liable for any physical or emotional issues that occur directly or indirectly from listening to this podcast.